listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. And what an absolute pleasure we've got on the line all the way from Los Angeles, California. It's the former voice of Countdown, not the face of Countdown, the voice of Countdown, Mr. Gavin Wood. Hello, Gavin. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Good to be on your show, The Bucket List. I love it. Oh, thank you. Now, we're having summer at the moment. We've had a really hot week. What's the weather like in LA? Is it always sunny? Uh, yeah, sun, well, no, we've had a lot of rain. We've, uh, ex- we've exceeded our rain expectations for this year, uh, <laughs> just in January and February, wow. which is fantastic because we've broken the drought over here. Yep. But it's, uh, it's quite cool. It's uh, a little nippy. You've been there for 11 years. What, what took you over to Los Angeles? Well, I won a green card in the green card lottery, and wow. uh, you've just got to speak to the little actors over here that come over from Australia and realise that a green card is absolutely gold. You know, you, you get to work here yeah. with a social security number, you know. So um, I, I did Tats Lotto with Marianne Van Dorsler on Channel 7 for 15 years every Saturday night, and uh, then I go and win another lottery, which is the yeah. green card lottery. So I thought, no, I'm going. That's hilarious. That's brilliant. So you talk about working over there, Gavin. What what actually are you doing? I've I've kept the name Countdown. And uh, so I've got a company called Countdown Motion Pictures. And um, I've hooked up with a guy in uh, Henderson in Nevada who is just a prolific screenwriter. And he's uh, he's got 60 screenplays that uh, I'm actively working and cool. uh, trying to get investors and all of that. All you've got to do is go on to countdownmotionpictures.com and it's all there. Beautiful. <laughs> of course, you were the voice of Countdown. Everybody's living room on a Sunday night, you know, anxiously awaiting Molly Meldrum. Unbelievable, yeah, it Gavin. Was great. It like was a- great, yeah. You know, the good thing about Countdown is that Molly and I, we love Australian music so much, and he always pushed Aussie music on the show. And we and we knew we knew how big the show was, but we didn't take it for granted. Every week we went in there and gave it our best shot, and I think that was the magic of the show. We didn't get too cocky or anything like that. We were just in there trying to make a good show every week. How did you get the gig? Well, it was interesting. I was doing breakfast at, uh, oh, you, you wouldn't remember, an old radio station called 3XY. Of course I do. Um, oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was doing, I, I did breakfast there for a few years and uh, I'd, I'd finished one morning at nine o'clock and Paul Turner, who was the original voice of Countdown, uh, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore, but Paul, uh, Paul came into the studio and Paul had a bit of a rough voice and he said, hey, knackers, what are you doing when you finish? <laughs> <laughs> And I went, oh, nothing. And I'd just come down from Brisbane. I came down from 4BC in Brisbane. I had the Volvo with the Queensland plate still, you know. So I was still a, a, a you know, a newbie into Melbourne. So um, he said, oh, look, can you drive me down to Ripon Lee? Because Paul, Paul was a little fraily. He had, um, he had a sickness and no one kind of knew what he, you know, what he had. And uh, I said, yeah, mate, I'm not doing anything. And my, I was still commuting back to Brisbane at that stage every Every second weekend, I was flying back to see the family. And uh, so I drove him down to Ripponlea, and I was just prepared to sit in the car. And he said, come in with me. And I went, oh, wow, I'm going into Ripponlea where countdown's done. How good's this? <laughs> and we walk in, and he says, he's, he opened up the door to a little voiceover studio, and he said, sit down, there's the top ten, read it, and sound like me. And I, said, <laughs> Paul, what are you? I said, Paul, what are you doing? He said, shut up and do it. I went, oh. okay. So I said, and number 10 this week on Countdown, da-da-da, and I did it all. And then I stood up, and Robbie Weeks, the executive, the uh, producer, 
uh, came in and said, uh, you're the new voice of Countdown, you start next week, uh, you're on $60 every week, Paul's going to Sydney, he's going to do the voiceovers and produce a Nostradamus show for Channel 7, so he can't be with us anymore, so you're his replacement. Well, you could have knocked me down with a feather. It was mm. just right place, right time. Brilliant. And, and, and an amazing opportunity. How many years did you do it for? Uh, well, I did it uh, t- from 19, late 79 to 80, to the end of it in 87. Mm. And have you recovered from the Iggy Pop experience? Oh, I loved Iggy Pop. He was fabulous. Uh, I'll tell you a story about Iggy. I, I think Iggy's still relevant today, so you've got to take your hat off to him. He's still recording, and he's still vital and, and, and just an amazing act. He invited us down to Bombay Rock because he was, like it was Friday afternoon, he did Countdown, we taped it. Then he said, come down to Bombay Rock, you know, see the shows. So I thought, oh, I've never seen Iggy Pop live, this is fantastic. So we rocked down to Bombay Rock and went backstage, and here's Iggy Pop sip, sipping, sipping on a cup of tea. And I said, Iggy, that, that's not rock and roll, what are you doing? And he looked at me and said, mate, he said, if I drank what everybody thought I would drink, he said, I would, I would have died 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> did he have his shirt on or off? Had his shirt off. No, of doesn't he doesn't like did. shirts, that man. No, not at all. Now, Gavin, we are the Bucket List Show. It's about sports travel and ticking things off your bucket list. Is there some sporting event? I know you live in LA, so it's, you kind of got it on your doorstep. But is there some sports events around the world that you're still yet to tick off? Oh, I'd love to go to Wembley and uh, and see a soccer uh, final yeah. uh, because the atmosphere there, you know, just on the television, it just looks amazing. I'd love to I'd love to see that. Um, but look, as you say, it's all here. We've got like ten big teams here in um, in California. You go through them: the Lakers, the Clippers, the LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, the LA Rams, the Steelers, uh, the Dodgers, the Angels. Uh, who else? The Padres, the uh, and also the the Raiders, who are going to uh, Las Vegas next, Vegas next year, or so, year after, yeah. So you know, it's just amazing. I, I went to uh, I went to the Dodgers one one of their uh, one of their uh, series final matches at uh, Dodgers Stadium, and and that was just insane. I love that, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'd love to go to a Super Bowl. Uh, and sit there, but you know what? I, I, I suppose I'm like a lot of people. You see more on television because there's 121 cameras at each of these big events, so you see everything, and then you see the replay. There's nothing worse than going to the cricket at the MCG, sitting there for three hours, and then go, "Oh, look! I'll just go and get a drink." And as you walk up, and as you're ordering a drink at the bar, a wicket goes off, and there's no replay. There's nothing. You know, it's <laughs> you just feel cheated. So, you know, I, I like watching it on television, but the atmosphere is good. Do you find the atmosphere much different? I mean, how is it different to the sporting events in America compared to Australia? Oh, I think Australians get into it more. You know, they're, they're very straight and very laid back and very cool here in LA. You know, it's, it's the weather. And uh, Americans, I find, don't get our humour at all. Yeah. No, I've no. stopped. I've stopped telling jokes over here because they <laughs> they sit there and look at you with a blank face when you when you deliver the punchline, and and you go oh okay well that bombed I'd hate to be a comedian over here an Australian comedian coming over here trying to do a show yeah. because it it's a huge adjustment they 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 most of them a lot of them are very religious and they're very straight laced 
that that's what the newsreaders are, all, are like. You know, they they they're all in in their own little box and they don't stray from it. Yeah. Whereas you know you've got Carl on the morning he used to be on Channel <laughs> Nine be, in the yeah. morning it would you know was just out there and having a great time. That doesn't happen here. You don't quite realise how straight laced some of them really are. You know, but uh, they, you know they they have their extremes. You know, their big cars and and their big hats and everything like that. But when it all boils down, you know, they're very straight family people, religious. You know, and they just get on with their job. Hey, Gavin, is it like in the movie Entourage? Is it is it like you know everywhere you go, whether it's a cafe or the gym, it's always teeming <laughs> full of famous celebrities? Is that true? Oh, Diana, you've got it in one. Every every waiter. Here is a is an actor. Oh. You know they they're all they're all putting on a show just for that tip at the end. You know you you think, oh, I've become really good friends with this waiter. You know, <laughs> no, no, they're just working you to get the tip at the end. That's all it is. You know, so so I, there, there's some fabulous uh, restaurants. I walked into Craig's. Craig's is the hottest restaurant in West Hollywood, where all the celebrities go. I walk in with uh, Alan Johnson, who runs, who's uh, an Aussie. He was a director at North Melbourne Football Club, mm-hmm. and so I'm a North Melbourne supporter. He uh, runs the uh, Ramada up on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. So Alan took me out this one night, and we've had we've had a few drinks, and he said, "Oh, let's go across the Craigs." And I thought, "Oh, I've never been to Craigs," and you know, it's a hot place because there's paparazzi guys with cameras, kind of all kind of loitering out the front. So I walk in. The bars on the left, they're all jumping, and then I look over, and there's these kind of semicircular kind of cubicles which face the bar, and, as you, and you can see the people sitting in these cubicles as you walk in. The first cubicle I saw, Joe Walsh was in the first f- cubicle. Then I go to the next cubicle, and Alan DeGeneres is in the next cubicle. And I'm going, wow, that's pretty good for a night out. <laughs> and then as I'm, as I'm leaving, this white um, Lamborghini, beautiful brand-new Lamborghini, just pulls in to the valet out the front of Craig's, and I'm, I said, oh, I'll, I'll prop here and see who comes out. And it was Jamie Foxx. Ah. So, so that's a pretty good treble in one night, isn't it? You're not telling me you, get, you still get starstruck, Gav, are you? Oh, mate, I do. I, I got starstruck on Countdown. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, Elton John would be behind me because they'd have to come from the VIP room past my booth up to the stage. So I'd have Boy George or... Elton John or Rocky Burnett or you know um, um, Sheena Easton or you know all of those people back then they'd be they'd they'd stop and have a look at, at the monitor and everything like that and then they then they'd be taken up on stage at the given moment so uh, yeah I still get starstruck I'm I'm just a fan I'm like you guys you know I'm sure the reason why you're doing this show is because you're fans exactly exactly right Gavin can you tell us some gossip from the countdown days I was doing hey hey it's Saturday doing the pop report on Hey Had Saturday, and we were up in Sydney this one weekend, and that was the weekend of Elton John's marriage to Renata Blau. Oh, that, that so, went well. So, so we're at the Siebel Townhouse, and Elton's walked past with a boater hat on and the whole thing and walked off, and we thought, well, that was a celebrity moment. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. But no, a, a, a lot of things a lot of things happened. I, I, we, we had a an hour dress rehearsal, then we had an hour break, and then we recorded the show. And we recorded the show like it was a live show. Tell yeah. me something. You know, did you watch the Countdown TV series? Uh, yes, I did. I was very happy with Ed Cavalier. I mean, a good-looking man like him playing <laughs> me. That was fantastic. But the story was wrong. Oh. Um, 
Never let the uh, truth but, get in the way of a good TV uh, series, Gav. That's the that's the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, it was still a fun well, mini series. You know, that's true. And and I told the producer, I said, look, I know where all the bones are buried. You know, uh, call me, and no one called me. Oh. So I thought, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a piece of fiction, just let it go. Ah, uh, come on, Gavin, you've got to write a book on it. Maybe I will. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in that space yet. No. Gavin Wood, it has been an absolute blast chatting to you live from Hollywood. Hey, before we go, I'm just wondering, are you able to give us one of your countdown announcements? Um, are you ready for it? Yeah. We're ready. All right. This is SEN 1377 AM. This is The Bucket List with Diana and Beatty. One of the best shows you'll ever hear on radio in Australia. From Gavin Wood, good night. Good morning and welcome to Saturday in Melbourne, the sporting capital of Australia. Diana Simons here with Beefy. How are you this Saturday morning, Beefy? Diana, I'm with you, so I'm awesome. Oh, so sweet. I'm one of the biggest Game of Thrones fans. I absolutely love that show. You've got some um, some interesting facts on that, actually. I do. Well, not Game of Thrones itself, but one of the actors. Everyone knows who this guy is. He's called The Mountain. Hathor Julius Bjornsson. It's funny you should say that because I was actually watching Game of Thrones repeats the other day on Foxtel and they were showing the episode where the mountain actually uh, destroys his opposition and he basically pops his eyeballs out. It's pretty gross. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've only ever seen one episode of Game of Thrones. How can you? It's the most amazing show on TV, Beefy. I just, I like sports. I like sports. <laughs> okay. Hathor Julius Bjornsson, he is the world's strongest man, and that's official. Oh, yeah. He just broke his own world powerlifting record. He lifted 474 kilos. That is ridiculous. And he did it. If you see the video, I'll put it on our Facebook page, by the way. Just look up the Bucket List Show on Facebook. I will put the video up there. He just lifts it as though it's like a baby. So what would be the equivalent to that? Like how many people might that be? 474 kilos. Well, I'm, uh, you know, about 110 kilos, so that's at least four and a half of me. And I'm not called beefy for nothing, Di. So, uh, I mean, you're weighing in probably about 40, 50 kilos, Di, looking at you. You're very svelte. So that's like uh, 10 of you, nine and a half of you, Di. Wow. You see this this bar? It just bends at about 40 degrees. This bar bends, and he just lifts it up as though it's not even there. It's ridiculous. Oh, he's huge. He is a big man. Apparently the quote was, oh, it's just a pretty casual new world record. Because that's how casual it was. It's just phenomenal. There was at the Arnold uh, Strongman event, uh, which Melbourne hosts every now and again as well. They had one last year. So uh, lots of strongman events and fitness and things like that. Talking about Arnie, Arnie was actually seen in the past turning up to the Grand Prix in Melbourne, which is on next weekend. It is. I'm wondering, though, if Matt Damon might turn up this year because he's been seen in Byron Bay. Has he? With Chris Hemsworth. I wonder if Chris Hemsworth will come because they were seen at the Mixed Martial Arts a couple of oh, weeks ago too at right. Rob Arena. Yeah. Okay. It creates a lot of interest. Obviously, Australia's own Daniel Ricciardo changed teams this year. So he's going to be turning out for Renault instead of the old Red Bull. So that's going to be quite exciting. Uh, I know Daniel Ricciardo... One of the worst feelings he's ever had was when he finished second a few years ago and he got disqualified. And I actually interviewed him a while ago and I asked him about that exact moment. And he said, Beefy, have you ever been stabbed? And I went, well, I am from Newport in Wales, which is the most violent town in Britain. And I said, I've not been stabbed. He goes, that's what it felt like when that result got taken away from him, finishing second in his home Grand Prix. Oh, it sort of breaks your heart, doesn't it? 
listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. And on the line we've got John from Melbourne. Hello, John. What's on your bucket list? Oh, to go to the Rugby World Sevens in Hong Kong with my buddies who go there every year. Yeah, it's a fantastic weekend of rugby. Do you actually see much rugby though, John? Well, according to my friends, it's the parties that matter. All my friends have talked about it for over a decade. You know how you say, it's the one thing you want to do. It's on your bucket list. I'm guessing your buddies, do they go in the safe stand? They've actually never told me which stand they go on, but okay. I know they buy the corporate boxes, one of them. Ah, okay. Well, I was and... going to say, why I mention the safe stand is there is a, it's an unwritten rule. You have to go in fancy dress. If, if that's the case, I know my friends do not go to that stand. Yeah, exactly. So the, the safe stand is at one end of the ground, and it's a big, huge party stand, but everyone in that stand for three days goes in fancy dress. What sort of fancy dress, or is it as you interpret? Anything you like. What would you go as? I don't know, actually. There's anything. There's everything from lifeguards to mermaids to cows to caterpillars to superheroes. Every fancy dress costume you can think of, it's in that stand. Tell me, John, you've uh, travelled around the world. Have you been to any other uh, sporting events around the world? I got taken to a Tottenham match by my cousin who was a mad supporter of Tottenham in London. And as far as I'm concerned, it's Aussie rules and rugby. That's not for me. (laughs) And I believe you've also been to the Mardi Gras. not really a sport, but um, let's spend the rules a little bit. What was that like? The Mardi Gras in Sao Paulo, Brazil was damn awesome. I did the Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Would you recommend the Mardi Gras in Rio for everyone to kind of experience at least just once? I've only been to the one in Sao Paulo and it was awesome. Wow. Well, I haven't been to any. I think the closest I'll probably get one day is the one in Sydney. But see, there's one thing. The Mardi Gras in Brazil, it's five days. And those five days, you sleep during the day and you party all night. I think you're going to get the same, a similar type of experience in Hong Kong, John, by the way. Done New Year's Eve in Hong Kong. Yeah, interesting. I've done New Year's Eve in New York. Yeah. And you want to know what? Going and watching that ball fall? Boring as hell. Uh, Yeah, I've heard it wasn't that exciting. Have you seen it, Beefy? No. I'd seen all these movies with the ball falling. I was like, okay, I'm in New York. It was New Year's Eve. It was starting to snow. It was getting cold. I'm watching the ball go up. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, this is as boring as hell. And like the thing is, there was a good atmosphere there, but yeah. it was still boring. John, thank you so much for telling us what's on your bucket list. This is The Bucket List on SEN Plus 1377. Welcome back to The Bucket List. This long weekend is Moomba and the biggest attraction of the lot. It's the water skiing. One thing everyone loves to see is lots of big, hairy men flying through the air. We've got Archie Davis. He's going to be competing this weekend. You know, what's the atmosphere like for you guys? It's a little bit different. It's one of those events people travel all over the world for. For some countries, it's not necessarily the best time to train. It's winter over there, but it seems to get them all excited. Just the crowd on the bank and the atmosphere, like you said, in the middle of the city, it's something that no other tournament offers. Archie, uh, what time does the water skiing start today? So the water skiing starts at 10 a.m., I believe. Sort of come, goes on and off all day. You do all the events, the tricks, the slalom and the jump. Which one's your favourite or which one do you get scared over the jumps? Um, jump definitely gives you the most adrenaline. It's probably scariest. Can you tell us what it's like to jump under lights as well? 
when you're in the dark, um, everything feels a lot faster. There's not only that, you've got fireworks going, you've got the crowd in the bank yelling and screaming. So it just adds that whole extra element of fear and adrenaline. It's pretty unique to Moomba. And what about other disciplines like barefoot skiing or wakeboarding? Do you ever dabble in those type of things? Never to a competitive level, but obviously we have the wakeboarding event there at the Moomba Masters. They do some incredible tricks, double flips, which we don't do in skiing. Now, Archie, the, our show is called The Bucket List. Is there a sport and event or something around the world that you are desperate to tick off at some stage? Uh, well, I'm a rugby union fan, so I would love to go to the Rugby World Cup. Also, Super Bowl in America would be something that, that I'd always love to see. So, yeah, they're probably my two main sporting events, other than the Moomba Masters, of course. <laughs> Very true. Now, Moomba Masters is on all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. You can see world-class water skiing right in our own backyard, right here in Melbourne. One of the iconic water ski events on the world calendar. All the best guys in the world. You will even get to see Freddy Krueger, world record holder over the jumps. Thank you to Archie for joining us. Best of luck. Hopefully you will uh, bring home the bacon, win the overall. That would be absolutely awesome. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Back with the bucket list with me, Beefy, the world's biggest sports fan, and Diana Simons. We are joined by the first Australian gold medalist from the 2000 Games from Taekwondo, Miss Lauren Burns. How are you going, Lauren, this morning? I'm great. You're involved with the Gold Medal Ready program, and it's you helping prospective Olympic athletes get ready for Tokyo in 2020. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty exciting, actually. It's The AIS has started this initiative where they're utilising previous Olympic gold medalists. There's a whole host of us. We're basically sharing our insights and experiences from the Olympic Games, sharing that with athletes coming up to Tokyo. There's 29 gold medal athletes on the program. and Yeah, no, it's a pretty huge list. People like Steve Hooker, Liesl Jones, Duncan Freed. These guys are second to none in terms of their knowledge, their experience, everything else. And it's great that you guys can pass that back to uh, these guys putting themselves on the world stage under immense pressure and having to deal with yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's right. And and often, you know, you hear stories, Rochelle Hawks, you know, Hockey Roos captain, gold medalist, um, you know, chatting on the weekend about how their bus was delayed and they had to do their warm-up on the bus. And <laughs> so some of those planning for the unexpected and, and one of the things about the Olympic Games is, you know, the pressure is very powerful. Lauren, what's the most unusual thing that you found that went wrong in your career? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's so many things. For me, it was all about, you know, when I step in the ring, that's really when to turn it on. So anything up to that point doesn't really matter. I can be feeling great. I can be feeling crap. I can be feeling sick. <laughs> but when I step in that, on that mat in the ring, that's when, when to turn it on. It's such a simple program. You think that Australia, especially with its rich Olympic heritage, would have done something like this before. It's quite, I'm quite amazed that this is kind of the first formal program where they've actually talked to ex-Olympians and, and gold medalists to uh, help the, the current crop of athletes to try and get gold medal ready, like you say. And one of the things about the Olympic Games is, you know, the pressure is very powerful. Stress is good. Cortisol is good. It means that you're ready and you're alert and there's all these physiological changes. Having that knowledge and that understanding of yourself and what your body's doing, um, then you can turn that self-talk around to go, no, this means I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I might want to feel like vomit, vomiting or I might you know, have sweaty palms and the dry mouth, but that actually means I'm ready. You know? Yeah. No, I've I played cricket to an elite level and uh, basically if the, you, you said to people you weren't nervous before going out to bat or going out to bowl, and people say, well, you're not doing it right. You need that kind of yeah, uh, right. that little edge yeah. to help you concentrate and everything else. It's uh, it's pretty full on. So uh, I'm sure Duncan Free knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. Look, yeah. 
Lauren, I was just going to ask you, you would have, you, you've played a lot of sport, but what's on your bucket list? What would you really love to see? Oh, I think for me, I'd love to see, I'd probably, I'd, going to a winter games, I, would, I mean, really any of the um, winter sports, but I, I'd love to see something like the luge or aerial skiing, you know, actually seeing that in the flesh would be pretty amazing. When I was in Beijing, I went to the weightlifting. You know, just the whole stadium came alive. Laura, I know you do a lot of motivational speaking, so perhaps you can you could be a hands-on motivational coach at the Olympics and uh, perhaps you could even get to a Winter Olympics and be on the inner sanctum. Yes, well, that would be amazing. <laughs> best of luck with the gold medal ready program. We just wish you all the best getting these Australian athletes to Tokyo and bringing home some gold. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Lauren Burns, gold medal winner. Thank you so much for your time on the bucket list. You're listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. And the MotoGP season kicks off this weekend in Qatar and there is a whole host of great MotoGP events all around the world and we are talking to our best friend in sports travel again, Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays, and he has an absolute belting package because one of the most sought-after and most difficult events to get to is the Thailand MotoGP. You can't do it yourself. Daniel, thanks for joining us again. Tell us why it is very, very difficult to get to the Thailand MotoGP. Number one, it's, it's held at a place called Buriram, at, at Buriram International Circuit. It's about five hours' drive east of Bangkok, out towards the Cambodian border. So it's, it's in an area not frequently visited by tourists in Thailand, hence why it's, it's a difficult one to get to. If you're not on an organised tour, you're going to struggle, I reckon. As part of our packages, we include a flight uh, from Bangkok to Buriram and, and vice versa. And those flights are really, really difficult to get. They're, they're already sold out and we're holding them at great times. Plus, we'll have a Sportsnet tour host with our clients from start to finish. So we try to make what's logistically difficult quite seamless for our clients. Oh, Daniel, I could really do with a holiday in Thailand. When, when is it? It's on the 4th of to the 6th of October. I love Thailand. It's one of my favourite destinations on earth. The food, the people, the sights, the value for money. If you love Thailand and you love MotoGP, what an amazing way to spend a holiday. I'm sold. How does the race schedule work? What do I have to put in my calendar? 4 to 6 October, three days, uh, short and sharp. The Friday's practice day, uh, which, we, which we attend. Saturday's practice and qualifying with uh, Sunday race day. The exciting thing is this is the second year the event has gone to Thailand, so it's, it's absolutely great to see uh, that, that Thailand has got the MotoGP on their calendar. They've got a three-year contract, so you know we're, we're hoping that will be extended, but right now, potentially next year is the last, with this year the second last. Well, that gives people even more incentive to get on this tour. I mean, we talk about we are the bucket list show, and getting to a, a Thai Grand Prix on Thai MotoGP while it's there, while it's guaranteed to be there this year and next year, right, we, we, uh, we better point some people in your direction. I was going to say, I bet you've got some, some really great special experiences there as well. My favourite is, is that we do a, a MotoGP riders dinner. Last year, uh, we held it uh, in a hospitality suite right on pit lane. So the location was second to none. It was hosted by BT Sports commentator Gavin Emmett. And we had Australia's Jack Miller and Italian legend Loris Caparossi along. And uh, it was just, it was a brilliant night. That's uh, experiences you just, money can't buy really, isn't it? 
No doubt beefy, even though they can, if they want to. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 those nights are a real special add-on to what is a special event. You've got your Aussies, you've got your Kiwis probably coming on the tour. What other countries are likely to attend? Predominantly Australians and Kiwis, but for this event we also get quite a few from the, uh, the, USA, from the USA and the UK, uh, with most of them combining a pre- and post-holiday with the MotoGP itself. No, it's absolutely fantastic. The MotoGP is a long season. I mentioned quite a few of the other events. What other uh, events do you target for Sportsnet holidays, Daniel? Obviously, this one we're talking about Thailand, but we, we do the majors. So Australia is huge. Italy is big for us. Japan, another logistically difficult one, is, is big. Uh, Malaysia as well. And next year, we're, we're bringing on uh, Catalonia in Spain and, and Aston in the Netherlands. You are the number one company for MotoGP tours. Australia, it's so popular. There are so many bikey people in Australia. It's crazy. They love MotoGP. They love the superbikes. I'm hoping that we can get a massive, massive contingent of people over to Thailand and throughout the season. And if you want to go to any of the MotoGP events anywhere in the World Championships, please get hold of Daniel at Sportsnet Hollows. They're on 1300 888858. Sportsnet Holidays. Check them out on the website or give Daniel a call. It's a bucket list and this weekend there's an unusual sport in Colorado, Beefy. Yeah, it's a festival called the Frozen Dead Guys Festival. Yep, it's the Frozen Dead Guys Festival. It is based on the fact that there is a guy, a Norwegian, that is in cryogenic frozen in his own shed. I'm not making this up, honestly. He decided to become cryogenically frozen just in case somebody has a cure for death, die. He had passed away by that stage. He had passed away. He's still in this shed, homemade shed. I'm not lying. It's a bit of a tourist attraction. It's in Nederland, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half outside of Denver. It's up in the Rockies. So they've created this festival called the Frozen Dead Guys Festival. Now, it's the World Championships in coffin racing, die. What? Yep, coffin racing. You basically get a team, you put a guy in a coffin, and you race it over an obstacle course. Oh, golly, that's so morbid. (laughs) No, they make it fun. They make it fun. People get dressed up. There's bands on. It is an absolutely brilliant festival. It's actually, I, I did read an article last year about it's one of the top 10 festivals you have to go and see before you die. Hence why it's on the bucket list. Oh, dear. You know, another one I've come across is actually the Darwin Beer Can Regatta. Well, that should be on your bucket list. You should actually, it should be on your bucket list to take part in that. Well, this one has been going on since 1974 in Darwin. In fact, it's in Mindle Beach. The first one they ever did was attended by about 22,000 people, Beefy. Incidentally, that is that was half the population of Darwin at the time. Mm. And if you want to become part of the Darwin Beer Can Regatta, the rules are you've got to make your own boat using either empty beer cans, soft drink cans, uh, any sort of drink bottles or, or um, milk cartons. And also the vessels are not tested for seaworthiness prior to the events. A lot of them actually fall apart and they reckon that's the best part of the entertainment. They've got a whole lot of events going along with this festival as well, including the thong throwing contest as well. Not your paper thongs again, Di? No, no. The actual ones that uh, sit on your feet. I mean, I've not heard of the thong throwing championships before, so they could be they could be an unofficial world championships. Absolutely. Listen, if you are getting along to Moomba this weekend, have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you next weekend on the bucket list. See you then.